Welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA loan guy. We are on location today at Original Grain Watch Company with our special guest and Marine Corps veteran, Andrew Beltran. Thanks for stopping by another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA loan guy. Special guest with us today, Andrew Beltran, Marine vet and entrepreneur. Thank you, man. Thanks, Thanks for, for being us. on the show, man. Yeah. Thanks for having awesome me. Awesome to have you. Yeah. Um, so you have a cool story, and we've got to spend some time over the last couple of weeks getting to know each other. Um, a lot of the cool stuff we get to talk about, but let's let's first talk about your military background, right? right? That's something that we all have in common, and um, tell us about like the thought process and, you know, why you even joined the military, and then you know, tell us, walk us through what you did. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, small town roots, and you know, serving your country was definitely an honorable thing to do. You know, my my family, uh, two of my uncles, had served in the Marine Corps in Vietnam, um, so it kind of runs in, in tradition for at least you know one of us to serve. And my grandfather served as well. Uh, that's actually how we got, got citizenship here in the U.S. Uh, from oh. Mexico. So yeah. it's just definitely in my family roots and heritage to serve, and so. Um, you know, when 9-11 happened, things of that nature, it was like, wow, like this is something that I want to stand, stand by and stand up to. Um, and so I joined the Marine Corps, uh, field radio operator, uh, originally with 9th Com, deployed with the 11th Mew. Um, so it's, you know, just like that was like my transition from civilian to, to Marines. And that's kind of how my journey began, right? When did you get in the Marine Corps? 2009. So okay. it was 9 to 13. So I served then. Um, was able to obviously transition into entrepreneurship, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a memorable time in my life and something I always go back to, right? It's like things you don't forget and yeah. uh, lean on for strength, you know? Totally. Yeah. Um, so any cool deployments? Did you get, get to go anywhere, see any part yeah, of the world? Yeah, shit, I was all, I mean, all over the Middle East. You know, we, we had hit about 12 countries. Um, you know, the first half of our deployment, it was more... Um, I guess you could say foreign ally training, and then we did the rest of our deployment kind of combat combat operations throughout the Middle East. Um, you know, we hit, like I said, we hit about 12, 13 countries, um, got to see the entire world. I felt, from being from a small town, it was yeah. like, wow, this is what people probably joined for is to get away and, and to experience so many different things. So, uh, you know, very lucky to have experienced what I did and, and to be back here in the States. You know, we came, I came back with such... Um, enlightenment for what the world could look like or, you know, feeling feel very blessed to be from the United States and to, to see all the opportunity that was in front of me um, just by sheer being a citizen here. You right. know? So I really took a lot of those learnings um, and just used it as fuel, you know, and to like, all right, we can do anything because there's so many things. There's so much inspiration here in the States. So totally. very blessed to have that experience, you know. Did you get yeah. to um, like see any part of the culture or the places you visited and stuff and like get to sure. spend some time away from like the unit and like out in the, we the did. towns and stuff? Yeah, we did. You know, of course on the, we had a few R&R stops, which we'll definitely get to one of those R&R stops in Hong Kong. But um, some of the most memorable were, were like um, Saudi Arabia and Malaysia, things of that nature, where cool. we were actually training their special forces there at the beginning of our deployment, kind of showing each other tactics. And at the end of all those, you know, trainings, two weeks trainings most of the time, uh, we would jump into this long ceremony, you know, where they would conduct a lot of those cultural ceremonies, you know, oh, you know, cool. different foods and different things amongst their villages and things like that. So uh, very, again, enlightening experience and to see, you know, just to be exposed to all that was so unique, you know, again, come from a small town. It, that was probably not ever going to happen, you know, had yeah. I not joined the Marine Corps. So well, that's cool. I mean, you don't probably don't hear much about that from like military guys and their you know, their, their travels, right. right. Is that part like the cultural piece. And right. so that's really cool. Totally. Um, any like weird 
foods or things oh, or, yeah. <laughs> every stop of the way right it was like you know big snakes in malaysia you know camels in uh, saudi arabia um, oman they were i don't even remember what we we're eating in oman but you know always you know we'd have those ceremonies and they would kind of dine us you know because we had just done all this training um so it was really awesome you know to try different things and to be exposed to how they can because we have our ceremonies right very right. structured and organized some of those malaysian ones are just more like what you would imagine for like these real warriors you know they're like sacrificing you know whether it be a snake and Mal it was crazy right and it wow. was like wow like these are things that you um we would have to witness to really understand. I'm so sure, yeah. It was really interesting, right? Coming yeah. back to, from that. So tell us about Hong Kong. Oh yeah, so Hong Kong. That was so that was our final port. That was when we were kind of leaving the Middle East. We had stopped in Hong Kong for about two days, R and R, um, and that's where I had actually. I knew my brother. He's two years older than me. He had moved to China to teach English and kind of, but the end goal would be to manufacture products. He knew that that's where everything was coming from. He had just graduated from U of O. So when I was coming back, I had, he had moved to China when I was deployed. So I get to Hong Kong and I don't really know the lay of the land at that point in China. Sure. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm here in Hong Kong. Can you come? He's like, I'll be there in a couple hours. He was in, he was fairly close in uh, Guangzhou, China. It's a couple hours, right? Okay. So he rode the train down to Hong Kong and we were, you know, met up, you know, embrace each other, we were at the bar, and he had showed me just like a watch. I remember he had slid me like a wood packaged box, you know, uh, I open it and it's just like, it's definitely that moment, it's a nostalgic moment, it's like the outer body kind of like, wow, like this definitely brung, you know, myself back to the roots where we grew up in the Northwest because it had the, the incorporated wood, it was natural hardwoods at the time, the sample that he had. I was like, wow, this is something that I could put, you know, my all into. And what are the stories that these materials could tell, you know? And that's kind of where, like, all the inspiration had come from. Um, so it was at that moment we kind of discussed, wow, we could potentially start a brand together. And he needed some funding, you know, and I just, it wasn't a lot of funding. We look at it now, we're like, oh, you know, 20000 or ten, like, that's not a lot of funding in, in real business. But right. for a startup company, for two bros from small town, that felt like it was felt enough. Like yeah, I mean, like it's you know twenty thousand. It's gonna it's gonna take us to the. So we did our initial production run. You know, I was still in the Marine Corps. I had about six months left when I got back from deployment. Um, we did our initial production run, and it was all kudos to like stopping in Hong Kong and seeing that watch and being like, wow, inspired and remembering kind of where where it all started. You know, that's cool. And yeah. to catch up our viewers, so Original Grain right. is the name of the watch company, right? right? So exactly. So. Marine Corps to to now you know entrepreneur with your brother right. running running this watch company yeah. um, which which is a cool segue so I, I'm totally into watches love watches um, so so take me through a little bit of this were you uh, how was it while you were still in the Marine Corps and also trying to run a, a business right. a startup for sure no it's in, I think I was thinking about it earlier you know it's like that's when I started understanding like how much I can really get done in a day. And, but I, it came with a lot of time practicing my calendar and being organized. Cause I'd be in the, at, with the Marines from, you know, 4.30 in the morning till about, you know, 16.30. And then it's like, okay, now it's time to transition and get some work. But, you know, I was, you know, in the military, you're trained such hard work ethic. It wasn't that, that like challenging for me. I always had that, but I had a lot of skills to learn. And I was like, that was where like the trouble lied was like understanding all the platforms and the technology and the things that we were going to use to build, you know, infrastructure of the company is a lot different than the, the work that I had done uh, in the Marine Corps or at home. Like that, those are things you can just 
I was essentially a builder my whole life. You know, I could just just put time into something and you know, build into. But these are like real technical skills I needed to learn. Essentially, a business degree. You know, and it was on the fly. Um, so it was, it was pretty challenging, but those are skills, you know, just that time management is something that I use today. You know, maybe we'll get into it. You know, I'm just now starting another brand now, you know, seven years after launching original grain. And so I feel myself tapping back into that original startup Dave, with original when I was in the Marine Corps and starting original grain. Um, so a lot of yeah, time management skills for sure were like tested and, and I needed to learn such a new skill that I'd never experienced. So that was always <laughs> was the experience yeah. for sure. No, it's crazy talking about time management. I mean, even in my business too, when I talk to others in the real estate industry, like, you know, when you're your own boss, no one's telling you what time you have to be somewhere, which true. is so different than the, the military, Very right? True. Military, like everything's regimented. It's from the, what time you wake up to what time you eat to what clothes you wear, like everything is dictated for so you. True. And then you go out on your own. And if you want to sleep till noon, you can sleep till noon. Like no one's going to tell you otherwise, right? And um, so, yeah, that time management piece is such a critical, critical part and just, Mastering it for sure and being yeah. your own boss like you hit that on the head. That's you know come from the Marine Corps You're told to be somewhere and then now we have to figure out for ourselves So this is, I'm glad I did it. You know thankful thankful that the opportunity presented itself to kind of like take it on Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. take me through take us through some of the the watch stuff I mean, this is you know watches are a really cool industry all on its own, right? And for those that are kind of watch fanatics um you know, there's, there's a lot, there's brands that people follow right. and, you know, there's crazy expensive ones and right. you know, yeah. designer stuff. And like, so walk me through kind of this whole world of watches, you know, I mean, obviously you guys are making stuff with real wood, mm -hmm. which I think is super unique. And I love like the cool, unique stuff, you know? Right, right. Uh, so I think that's, that's really cool. But walk me through kind of this whole watch industry that you guys joined yeah it's definitely not an easy one to tap or you know code to crack you know we're talking about swiss makers that have been around for hundreds of years uh that have insane amount of distribution whether it be through retail or online um, affiliate channels things of that nature so you know for a startup watch company we actually we, i feel like we launched at a beautiful time amongst the internet it was 2013 you know uh, advertising became very uh, fairly simple to at least start right. um, there's a lot of data that goes into it all but um, we, we launched at a beautiful time where we could actually you know impact the culture with our watches and i think for uh, speaking of the culture i feel like we're we're at a point we've moved far, far along enough to really understand what we're trying to present and that being you know heritage materials whether it's you know the whiskey barrels or craft you know our military collection that uses ammunition crate wood things of that nature like um, we're able to advertise that through media online you know so we we're kind of the new wave of watch companies that did come in 2013 um, there's been a few companies to come and to sell even here in San Diego, you know the Blenders guys. They're they're up, you know they launched a very similar time. Pura Vida, I think they launched maybe a year before us. You know they're tapping into industries, you know sunglass industries that again have been controlled by these you know Swiss or Italian companies. Um, but we were able to market a lifestyle and a brand, you know, and that's where like we've seen the evolution of watch companies and things go over the last you know seven years. So. It's been, it's been, it was a beautiful time to launch, to be honest. 2013 yeah. was the golden year. So tell me what it's like getting, breaking into the watch industry. I mean, there's a lot of really well-established brands right. out there in the watch industry. So was, did you guys find like some resistance or challenges, like just breaking into the industry? Yeah. I mean, I think we really found our niche, which 
was going direct to consumer. And that was things that, that we could always control that. We could control the amount of traffic coming to site, how much we were spending on advertising. I think that the Goliaths of the watch industry, they're focused on mass distribution, with, which is the retail. Um, you know, we were kind of talking like, it's like the mafia to get into some of these retailers. Like there's, you got to pay for shelf space. You know, you have to, there's a lot of chargebacks and things that you don't really see on the front end, but then like a month later, you're getting dinged with these, you know, these chargebacks because there's a misprint on something or something wasn't loaded in the system. Like they find technical errors to charge you back, especially when you're a small player. And then to get any advertising out of them, again, it's going to cost you an additional 20 to 50,000 for any type of marketing, you know? So wow. we've been able to just find our niche and just control, control our growth through online, you know, online direct to consumer. And that's kind of always been our bread and butter and stuff that we stick to. So do you guys leverage like a lot of social media or do you do like Google ads or do you like a combination? Or? Definitely a combination. I'd say we found the, the biggest scale um, in 2015 when we started really advertising on social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. Like now we have like the full infrastructure of online advertising with the Googles, YouTube, you know, we're on Pinterest. We're pretty much on all social channels. Okay. What's great about online and advertising is you can control the scale and, and the spend. And you, and it comes out to like a science and an equation because you're looking at all the metrics, the click-through rates and all the stuff. It's all very, very visible on the dashboard. So that's how we're able to kind of control our growth, you know, and, and maintain profits and things like that. More that we control with some of these other you know more traditional channels that the the, the monsters the omegas and rolexes were like kind of have taken over you know yeah they have like a foothold yeah exactly so. so have you noticed like i do a lot of social stuff um have you noticed like advertising and social media like different channels it's like if you get to a certain level of spend like then you see like a roi difference or have you noticed anything kind of like that? Like if you're like Google ads, you got to spend X and then finally you start seeing some return or you can go cheap over here or. That's a good, that's a great question. I think that, you know, when we started, we were just tapping, we started with small budgets, you know, and I think what's another kind of back to what I was saying, the beauty of online marketing is you can scale it, you know, and I don't think that there's too much of a tipping point. I think that we definitely see a drop off in our return, like after I would say, you know, 5,000 in ad spend a day on like certain channels. Gotcha. Like we'll see a drop off like during like slow seasons. Um, but we maintain pretty high level of spend right now because we've been able to scale it and grow it. But for anybody who's starting a brand and stuff like that is you can, like we just, you know, for this new company I'm, I'm launching, like we just spent $250 on a Spotify campaign and like that's all I needed to know to know that we can spend more and get more return. I think, you know, oh, cool. so you can spark very granular, you know, very granular and get just give it a started. test. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Which is great. Yeah. That's cool. Now you guys are, you ha you're in some retail spots right, right now too, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's kind of a big accomplishment, right? Like you start small and you're doing some online ad and, right. you know, selling some products and, you know, of course that starts to grow and, and now you step into, you know, Nordstrom's or Dillard's right. or something right. like that. So, totally. I mean, now you're, you're playing with the big boys, Yeah, right? we got our first break, actually, it was in Belk. It's a big distribution in the South. They have over, over 300 stores. We're in about 70 stores with Belk. So that's what's interesting. And with Dillard's, we just launched with Dillard's um, last November. We had about 20-plus stores. And we saw, like, in, within a month, like, the awareness is there. As much as we want to say retail is kind of dying and, like, a challenging kind of sport to jump into is, you know, Houston and Dallas, Austin, like, those uh, those cities became one of our some of our best cities online. Oh, really? So we know that that is kind of that full circle of um, awareness and advertising. It definitely plays 
plays to that. So well, we're trying to kind of like just control it a little bit better than what we did with Belk. We grew really fast with Belk and we had a lot of hard lessons to learn from the chargebacks and like just things that like we just weren't prepared for with POP and merchandising teams. And like, it's definitely like a whole set, another section of our business. Whereas like we have, you know, right now we have around 10 people working for us in house and, and it's all dedicated to online. Like if I really want to take retail distribution real seriously, I probably need to have like a secondary retail team. And that's what people yeah. do begin to do. And probably will be something uh, we do once we can break into like a few more channels. Right now I'm kind of managing it, but I think that if we are to get, we're selling Macy's online. If we can get Macy's stores, we'll probably just need to fully invest and get a team. Well, right now probably too, with like all the COVID stuff right. and things being closed in different so states it's kind of an unknown right it's now, totally, right? Like where it's yeah, ahead. Exactly. So online is your best shot online. for the immediate time being, right, right? Right, So we've been able to hook up with all those guys online, Nordstrom's Rack and, and Macy's online and just kind of control it that way for now. Nice. So Nice. So, yeah. so tell me about like just watches and like your learning curve with watches. I know like kind of being um, a fan of watches, you know, right. there's, you know, there's the weights and there's the, you know, the mechanisms. Is, right. it, is it Swiss made? Is it chronograph? Right. Is it, you know, so... Tell me about that learning curve yeah, and no, for understanding sure. that. I think as we launched the brand, we were using pretty standard movements, Japanese Miyota movements, quartz movements, which you're going to see in all your Nixon watches and kind of your 150 to 400 350 dollar price point. And that's the price point we had been playing in for the first five years of the company. Um, in 2019, we brought on a designer from Movado. So he came over for, you know, to work for Original Grain full time. And he really, he's got this Swiss background and he was able to really kind of educate us on like what's really driving the value for watches. Because in, at the end of the day, if it's not gold plated, like real gold or like, di you know, floss with diamonds, right. it's, it, you need to, it's, it's what's inside, it's the engine inside, you know, and it's the movement and um, those, the internal workings of the watch is what really drives the value because that's what's going to keep the watch, you know, obviously keeping time for forever. And that's what's, that's the watch that you can really pass down generationally, you know. And, right. and so we, we've had to learn a lot and just understand like, oh, this is the value we want to bring to the customer. And that's what we're starting to do with our collections. You know, we have kind of our heritage collection, which is more affordable and obviously offers the unique stories. But we're starting to tap into more of kind of, kind of like affordable luxury. I wouldn't say we're a luxury brand, but we're tapping into real Swiss movements that, you know, Movado is working and Omega is like testing as well, like amongst their cheaper collections. So we're, st we're starting to learn a lot about how to bring like real, real with like timekeeping and value and like our new pilot collection has like the fourth hand, it's a GMT hand, you know, like all these things that people aren't really doing, especially in our price point and you'd say with our, our brand category. Um, but we think that we can go kind of, we can cater to both customers and kind of like build out our brand that way. Yeah, so that's cool. Been, yeah. So being a military guy, I know, you know, you've told me a little bit, but let's, let's tell um, the audience here a little bit about like some of the military influence watches. Like I know you picked up some old like aircraft parts and right. I know you're using like some different woods from like ammo crates and things like that. So tell us a little bit about like the military side of the watch collections. It's been so fun. You know, we were able to get in the Naval Exchange um, in, oh, cool. in um, 2016 or so, just a few test stores, but it really kind of started piquing our interest for like military grade watches and having the service men and women wearing them. Um, so we started, we started reclaiming ammunition crate wood, and we also started using, what's cool is actually like tent canvas 
material. So like we'll have the, the wood that's traditionally found in our watch, but like we'll have an additional leather strap that's cut from either bomber jackets or tent canvas. Oh, nice. So we're starting to broaden, you know, our material um, materials that we use. And that's been like such a blessing and like kind of like this next evolution of the brand is not to just be um, wood and steel. It's like we can now, now we're working with Rawlings and we're taking leather from the baseball gloves. And like oh, that cool. military collection really kind of was like that next phase for the brand because like, wow, there's so much history here, but it's not just in the wood materials. Like the leather, it's like all kind of tarnish. It's funny, I actually brought you a watch. I did want to, oh. I did want to give you this watch. I don't know if now's a great time, but this is one of the military watches. I saw you kind of looking at this earlier. Awesome. So this is also oh, this box. Is this from that kind of? Work? Yeah, it's kind of the ammunition crates. You know, the original crates, and then like here, the wood. You can see. I don't know if the viewers can see it, but it's like very tarnished. You know, we like to say like if these materials could talk, like what are the stories that these materials could tell? Because you can just see that yeah. you know these, these pieces of wood have definitely been there, exposed to the front line. Um, and have just like been through a lot, you know, so that's awesome. uh, super unique storytelling with that. Actually, the dial of the face is actually old brass, you know, from um, the shells and whatnot. Really? So we've used artillery shells as well as ammunition shells on the face of the, the dial of the watch, which is so, you know, very unique. Like, cool. We're definitely going the extra mile with how we produce these watches. And, and this, I don't know if you can see it on the camera, but this is kind of like an, like an army green. Almost, right. Yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, this is sweet. Yeah, and then here would be like the... This is the old bomber, probably kind of like jacket, you know, this is, and it, you'll see like in the bands are fairly different as well as like on the wood, like these are all very, you know, original materials. So like we'll have, there'll be some tarnish, but we think that that's like the beauty of the collection, you know? Yeah, because of the character. Right, exactly. The yeah, character. Ties it all back yeah, in. Yeah, the time. So more than a time piece, it's a piece of time, you know, and that's like kind of a big saying that we say around the company. That's really, really yeah. cool. Oh, this is this is super great. fun, man. No, yeah. I, knew, I figured you would like that. It's kind of got the big face and and all that. So yeah, I love it. Kind of a cool piece. That's oh, yeah. cool. So, yeah. um, so being the entrepreneur that you are, yeah. um, I know you you've kind of moved into you got a whole nother thing that you're you're gearing after. Yeah, you're kind of the the supplement, supplement. and the, the sports nutrition world, right? right? So tell us a little bit about that. You know, it's interesting. Like I know that you know it's called Enzo Superfoods first and foremost. That's kind of like the the brand that we're we're st we've started again it's with my brother and I and um it's interesting like how the military actually has played in uh, kind of unknowingly it's like the challenges that you go through at the time that you don't know like how much that's building your character and when I had gotten out of the military I suffered from a lot of injuries I suffered from a lot of pain uh, you know uh, depression PTSD things of that nature that were really kind of holding me back there for years even though I was so focused with original grain you know, personally, I was struggling, you know, inside people wouldn't probably know that about me. Right. Um, but I was, but, you know, through the years, like I've continued to go through the traditional doctors, American, American medicine, I was eating fairly American traditional diet as well. Um, you know, about five years after I transitioned out of the military, I started really focusing on what I was feeling myself to feel better. And it, at the time, it was just, it was, prescription drugs and that's what that's what was offered to me to kind of like alleviate the pain but that's what it was doing it wasn't like curing you know fixing it it yeah. wasn't fixing anything um and I was like wow this is this is what my life kind of looks like right now this is what I'm you know at the time I'm 27 years old and so I really started tapping into kind of ancient culture and ancient wellness um 
and I started taking a look at plant-based plant -based food as well as super greens and, and things that I started to take. And I was like, wow, this stuff's actually making me feel amazing. I don't need this stuff anymore uh, in regards to the prescription drugs. And so I totally was able to kind of clean myself up, you know, and just be able to really find balance in my life. And that's like what the biggest thing for this new brand is, is to help people achieve better health, but also look outwards in regards to how they find balance, whether it's, you know, meditation or things that we do for just hobbies, like get out and go play and, and have fun, you know, and just find balance in your day. Right. And that, that's something that I just really think that like I'm passionate about. And I'm, you know, being an entrepreneur, like I'm passion first, like I, I may never do like a crazy, like a Zuckerberg business where it's like crazy multi everything. It's like, I'm really just more dedicated to being passionate about things that like I really believe in, you know? So the right. watches is like the material stories and sustainable supply chain and planting trees and giving back. And then with Enzo Superfoods, really just to help people find an alternative to like what's being kind of positioned in, into our society as, you know, prescription drugs being the answer. You know, I've seen my family has struggled with, um, you know, disease and things like that, but I think that there's a lot of preventative care that we can do as a culture. Totally and so agree. that's what I want to like spread awareness for. And that's why we, we just launched, of course, like right in the middle of COVID in March, we launched, uh, which is going to be an interesting story to tell in like five years from now. And yeah. we'll, hopefully when we've seen some growth, but, you know, we, we took it on headstrong and uh, we're excited to kind of be amongst the, hopefully the brands that have a really good reputation for helping people. You know, that's what we're, well, that's what we're after. Yeah, no, I totally believe in like, food can really heal mm -hmm. most everything and I've, I've read some different read some different books and heard different like doctors and stuff speak about that and I think there's a lot of truth to that right. um, I read this book years ago called the uh, inflammation zone right and it basically yeah. talks about like how pretty much all disease and, and most injuries in your body are all a direct result of inflammation exactly and yeah. inflammation can be controlled mm -hmm. dietarily exactly and yeah. so it's it's crazy that you you, you kind of found that just through your own trial and error, right? Because there's so much science and truth to it. Yeah, that's, well, that's how it happened. You know, I was struggling with inflammation and pain and I was, it was an everyday thing. Um, and then when I was fueling my body, you know, with nutrients that were actually being effective and helping, you know, and the digestion that was taking place and getting rid of all, you know, all the bacteria and things in my, I was like, wow, you know, I feel like a different person mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, and so I was like, wow, why don't we, you know, we can bring this to the world, you know, and that's just the people that my brother and I are like, let's just, let's do it. Like, let's get it out there and yeah. share it. So that's really neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and so much it has to, like in the supplement world, I know from like, you know, just being an avid gym rat and stuff, right, like right. And taking all sorts of different <laughs> things over the years, like there's the quality of them too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so I mean, it just makes a big difference, right? Totally. Just finding like the quality of the ingredients yes. and, you know, the appropriate measures of mm -hmm. each that's in a supplement and stuff. So, um, so yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother degree exactly. on its own, right? Yeah. On top of having to understand business, <laughs> this is now you got to learn all the science, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, we're actually making it here in San Diego, which has been amazing. We've had a few pretty well-known nutritionists um, from the area kind of help us out and kind of help make sure we develop the correct product. We obviously have an idea of what we want to present with like our super greens, kind of being that that morning boost and helping your digestion, your flow kind of created. We have like a midday boost, which is like turmeric, uh, sorry, mushroom blend. So mushroom, maca, cordyceps. So it helps you kind of stay focused, endurance and strength. 
Um, and then we have like our evening, which is a turmeric kind of relax, recharge and recover. So those are the three products we started with. And I think that we're going to do a lot. We have a few new innovative ways. I think that we're going to do it like kind of how we do the watches, you know, yeah. kind of think outside of the box on how people can actually use it every day, you know, and not just be right now. It's, it's just like kind of 30 seconds a day. You put it in your water, you know, which is pretty, pretty standard amongst the industry, but we want to kind of change it up as we go. So that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so tell me, so you mentioned, um, you know, kind of having like injuries and, and PTSD and stuff yeah. out of the military, but I don't know, it sounds like, you know, you went from military straight into being an entrepreneur, like there wasn't really a time gap there, right? No. So you were, because of that kind of naturally pushed into building this business, but obviously still, still battling some stuff. Um, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. like for our audience, you know, like what, what helped you kind of get through that because i know there's a lot of people prior service that yeah. that struggle with that totally. stuff right and and the dependency on substances is primarily prescribed by western doctors and they right. get you on pain meds and this and that and everything which can lead down a dark path course, right yeah. um so i don't know walk us share yeah. with us a little bit about i think that. i think some of the you know having kind of been through it and, and feeling as if i've you know kind of somewhat mastered like what i need to you know go ahead and live like a prosperous life which we're all kind of looking to achieve is you know i really i really got back in contact with the service members that that i deployed with and served with i also joined a few organizations here in san diego active valor being one of them okay. you know and so i think for me it was like there was a loss of continued service you know but that's something that i found was like continuing to serve um the community whether it was through charity and things like that i think like once you take the once you take the camis off, you know, and things like that, it's like, you know, you kind of lose a sense of who you are and like a little bit of pride, you know, but yeah. I think as a culture, we have to remember that we can rewrite who we are, you know, on a daily. I think our family members, maybe before us, they kind of were stuck in, this is who I am. And like, I'm going to do that for my entire life, you know, and then for our generation, it's like, wow, we can rewrite who we are tomorrow, you know? And so I keep that optimism in my head, you know, and, um, the opportunity is still out there for me. And I think but for, to be able to like reconnect with the military um, through the charities and just picking up the phone, like that was something that just made me feel like I wasn't alone in this fight, you know? That's really And important. that's the truth, man. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we separate and we totally like go away and it's so easy not to do. It's like, it's so easy not to call or to, to like reach out for help or reach out to just say, what's up? You know, it's just like, that's almost the easier thing to do. Uh, but you know, it's just taking the time. It really made a difference in my life when I started to like get back involved with the service rather than just being like, that was me before, not anymore, you know? Right. So just, Cause it never leaves. It right? never leaves, you know, yeah. and it's, it can turn it can kind of switch around in your head, like what that meant to you and what it means like not to be involved anymore. So I think it's been good for me to kind of get back involved in within the Marine Corps, the military as a whole, you know, yeah. reconnect. No, that's so, really important. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, a passion that you and I both have. Um, you're you're on, on your road to it. Is aviation. I am. So you're working on your pilot's license. I right? am. I don't know how it happened so fast. We released a pilot watch, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the opportunities that could be available for me if I do learn how to fly. When I learn how to fly, and so you know, we had our few conversations like, oh, because you're a pilot as well, right? You, yeah, I used to have a license. You yeah, had your license, and went through yeah. the program. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize until my instructor dropped like a stack of books on my desk, and like, okay, now I need. 
it's like this is a whole new this is another degree i'm gonna have to kind of be very well versed in i mean that it does become down to life and death depending on how good of a pilot you are yeah, and that's true so there's a lot of information i got a stack of books under the table here and uh, i'm going flying tonight so just kind of dedicating some time again this goes back to the balance thing and like this is gonna i guess start as somewhat of a hobby of mine but i think i have a goal in my head that in like 10 or 15 years like i could potentially do like a search and rescue and that would be something that I would like to transition into at some point in my life, you know. So I always have these goals kind of set along with the hot mixed in with the hobbies, you know. But so aviation is something. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm sure you did a, f a few fun trips and got to yeah. bounce around. And yeah, I've done a few fun trips. And it's it's interesting flying in a small plane. Yeah, you different. know, I mean, um, I never <laughs> took physics in, in school. Right. right. Um, but flying in a small plane you get a real good feel for physics fast, right? Yeah. And, um, and just how it works and how really? lift works yeah. and all that stuff. And then you can feel it. Like when you're at the controls of a small airplane, you can feel all those forces of oh, nature yeah. like working, yeah, right? Nature. <laughs> yes. Wind and turbulence yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. It's a ton of fun. Um, a lot of freedom. I think there's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of uh, fear there too, you know, yeah. because... Yeah, your life was in your own your hands. Your life was in your hands. Right. You know? The first day when I was with my instructor, he we were going like 100 miles an hour, right? And then he just kicks it down to 15 miles. The, you know, the engine's going like 15 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, and we're going to drop, you know. And, we're, and, he, and he kicks the engine back on after. But he's like, how does that make you feel, you know? Like you, you, but you, need, you start to learn those senses. Like, how are you going to react, you yeah. know? Like, you need to be able to react. Like, when the engine cuts or when you're going through the turbulent weather and the weather shifts, and you're, especially if you're flying to a destination. So a lot of those, like, sensations are, like, something I'm, like, excited. You know, so it's a thrill. So I'm really excited to kind of learn more. I'm here step one, you know, so I think it'll take me a, a while to kind of, like, complete it. But I, I want to go all the way through. I want to make sure that I have... Um, some of the additional credentials so that I could fly people like commercially or, um, you know, charter planes and stuff like that's the goal. So, yeah. 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 Once you get into it, there's, yeah. you know, there's so many different levels, right? Exactly. But you'll, you'll get into, you know, I don't know if you have yet and worn the hood, yeah. um, but that's when you really get to learn how to trust your instruments. Yeah. You don't have the visibility in front of you. And that's, that's a whole nother level. I know. And um, Dang. yeah, that was, that was an awkward feeling at first, but exactly. you know, it's, it's neat. Like, I don't know, you just, you can feel like when you're flying over water versus land and stuff like that, you can feel how the airplane reacts sure. and, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great learning experience, but a lot of freedom in it too. Exactly. A lot of freedom. I love the community too. Like speaking of culture and things like that, like I swear every pilot kind of knows each other and they obviously know the different air, like just like tricks of the trade. And it's kind of like a good old boys club, you know, and like you can get like good deals on certain things or where you land. And uh, so like, I, I really embrace that type of community too. So, I, you know, aviation is like, I think going to be like a crazy future thing that like maybe more um, attainable for people. So, so, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to kind of get into it now. It's fun. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a cool community. Well, um, Andrew, thanks, man. I think this has been a ton of fun. I really oh, yeah. appreciate you spending some time and, and sharing your story, man. What of an course. incredible story. Thank you, man. And um, thank you so much for doing that. And, um, you know, we'd love to have you back on the show again. Yeah, excited to share more. Maybe as, you know, Enzo grows and uh, we'll see where original grant. I'd love to jump back on and share the story. Cool. Thank you, brother. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks, cool. buddy. Cool, man. Thanks for watching today's episode. Please like, subscribe, and share this. For more information, or if you'd like to get in touch with any of our guests, you can reach out to me at valoanguy.us.